0: There you go.
1: Well, uh, we learned from the video, wise men and wise women wise boys and wise girls follow the star. So I want to invite all the wise boys and all the wise girls to come up because I've got these beautiful star bags for you. And I want to thank you. Just a minute. Hang in here. Let's have everybody together. No, sir, sir, Come up close. Yep. And all the little ones to... Yep, that's great, you guys, and um, we want to thank all the teachers, and we are wishing them a very, very special day today, you don't have to do orange curriculum today, yay, just be together, and I want to thank you guys for all uh, the hard effort you put into following Jesus too, and all the joy you have in following Jesus, so there's a couple of crafts in there and something yummy for you, okay? Okay.
0: All right. So that's a little something that will that you can enjoy help you get through my sermon. <laughs> little activity in there. Some healthy yummies. So there's a little something that parents and caregivers can do with the kids in case you're a little, you know, I'm not that exciting as I'm preaching this morning. Just do their craft with them. <laughs> Anything to help you through till, till lunchtime? Awesome. <laughs> I'm going to be only 10 minutes. How many believe that? Nobody. Nobody. Great is your faith. Thank you, Kathleen. (laughs) Awesome. So, Ken, should I try the wireless or you want me to try it? In the midst of that, so the joy that we're talking about is not some kind of denial of pain and suffering. It's a joy that recognizes the pain of limitations. And so, I want to I want to address the 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 grief and loss that comes with limits. How many have ever noticed that you're you're not God, that you're, you that you have limits? And uh, this past year. I turned 60, and what I found with turning 60 is, is I have limits, um, and, the, and, and the difference is when you turn 60 is you know it. When you're younger, you have them, but you don't know it. You're in denial, right? And so if you, if you attended my 60th birthday party, forgive me. If you didn't, forgive me. Um, but I, I, I told uh, one of my favorite aspects. Uh, one of my favorite comedians, who's now retired, was David Letterman, and he'd always have those top ten things in his, his, uh, his, his routine. So I want to give you again for those of you that were there. Re- sorry for the repeat. You forgot it all anyway. you right, just like me. Uh, he said he gave the. Uh, so I want to give my top 10 things about turning 60 in the, in the style of David Letterman. Number 10, when you can't find your eyeglasses, they're almost always on your forehead. <laughs> Number 9, your failing eyesight is nature's way of softening the blow every time you look in the mirror. <laughs> Number 8, your, your pants creep upward as you age and by the time you're 60, you're a pair of pants with a head. Number seven, your memory is so bad, you can plan your own surprise party. (laughs) Number six, you know your way around, but you don't want to go anywhere. (laughs) Number five, you can't walk by the bathroom without thinking you may as well pee while you're there. (laughs) Number four, when you have a party, you don't even wake up the dog, let alone the neighborhood. Number three... And my graduation class, uh, whom I'm in touch with on a uh, Facebook group, would appreciate this. Number three, the best thing about being 60 is you did all your stupid stuff before the Internet. (laughs) Uh, I'm not as holy as I look, right? Number two, birthdays are good for you. It's been scientifically proven that the more you have, the longer you live. Number one, the candles on your cake set off the sprinkler system. And I had a zero because it was too good. You're so old that when you walked into the antique shop, they sold you. <laughs> oh, I just felt the love on that one. I felt the compassion. <laughs> so all that to say is, is that... Uh, one of the things about limits is we find out that we can't be everything and do everything that we want to be and do. And, and our text today from John chapter 1 kind of talks about this. And um, this is our third gospel advent reading for today. And, and in the gospel of John chapter 1, John writes about another John who is the John the Baptist. He says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. So notice those words, only and not. There's kind of that that negative to, to slant to John there. Verse 19 Now, John's testimony, here's what John himself said about himself. When the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was, he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. (laughs) That is just the weirdest phrase in the whole Bible, right there. Like, that is a double negative, twisted backward. Like, he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. I am not the Messiah. So I have good news for you today. You are not the Messiah. <laughs> you are not the Savior. But you know what? We grieve that because sometimes we want to be. For our families, for our friends, for ourselves, right? For our city, the brokenness, the homelessness. I am not going to solve the homelessness in Vancouver. I am not going to solve the fentanyl crisis. I want to, but I'm not going to do it. And that grieves me because I have limits. I can't do everything. I can't be the kind of pastor that everybody wants me to be. That's my limits. I'm finding that the older I get, the more I'm a disappointment to some people. Now, I was before. I just didn't know it, right? I thought that everybody liked me. Um, so, I thought that I would win Vancouver for Christ. I thought that I would bring Canadian revival. Now you know why I had a breakdown. Uh, I remember one Sunday, I was preaching about the Vancouver Eastside Vineyard and explaining why we don't do this. How many know what that is? There's a singing Christmas tree. It's a beautiful thing. Broadway Church does it every year. Most of my flagship, I grew up a Pentecostal. Every large ch- uh, Pentecostal church in every city and every, in the world would have a singing Christmas tree. And it's a beautiful thing. A lot of people come. A lot of people who normally would never darken a church door come to see the singing Christmas tree and hear the gospel. It's a beautiful thing. And I was trying to explain to Vancouver Eastside Vineyard one year why we don't have a singing Christmas tree. And I mer- I'll never forget Dan Pontelti saying, yeah, you, we won't have a singing Christmas tree, but this is what we'll have, a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. How many know we're the church of the Charlie Brown Christmas tree? And, you know, I looked it up on the, I looked it up on the Internet today, and I found out that it is one of the most beloved symbols of Christmas. People love the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. I even found one on the website where that little ball had just pulled the tree right down to the ground. (laughs) I thought, that's us! That's us! We're broken, we're weak, we're fragile. You know, we're, we're chaotic, we're messed up. But Jesus was born in a messed up, poopy stable. Wasn't he? He came into the midst of a mess. And so it's not that those things are bad, it's not better or worse, that singing Christmas trees are better than Charlie Brown Christmas trees. It's just being who we are is the way that God can most bless and use us. And so that's so freeing to us, isn't it? So let's read on, because John goes on to say this. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? So John replied, I love this, in the words of Isaiah the prophet. Remember the gospel of Isaiah we talked about a bit earlier? I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet. I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. The good news of Christ. So get this, John is the first prophetic voice for 400 years, right? Right? He comes on the scene, everybody's desperate for a savior. They're desperate for a messiah. They're desperate for somebody to be a messenger from God. And they say to him, are you that guy? And he goes, no. I mean, it must have been hard for John because he felt the needs of the people. He felt the longing of his country, their desire to to break oppression and poverty and to, to set people free. And it, was, it must have been so tempting in the power. And I've, I've experienced incredible power at times in my life in ministry. And it, it does strange things to your head. And it could have been very tempting for him to go, well, maybe, maybe I didn't hear the Holy Spirit. You know, I mean, look, at, look, what's, well, look what's happening. Look at the crowds. I must be that guy. Could have been easy. Could have had a Messiah complex, just like most of us have. And so he had to say no. He had to be a disappointment to the people, and stay with who He was. And I love that word voice that He gives there. That word voice is where we get our word vocation from. Did you know that? The word vocation comes from the word voice. And your vocation is finding your own voice. Finding your voice. How many have ever heard somebody say, I want to be a voice for the voiceless? Stop saying that. You don't want to be a voice for the voiceless. You want to help those who are voiceless find their voice. Right? That's what we're called to do. That's what John was called to do. And that's what John was. Is he found his voice and... So I want to say three things. Wrap it up. John... Finding the place of your joy. What's the the key to finding the place of your joy on this Advent? John felt pressure to live a life that was not his own life. Most of us feel that pressure through life. From others, from peers, from society, even from within our own drivenness and brokenness and insecurity. We, We feel pressure to find our own voice. But these guys at the back are finding their voice. That's beautiful. I love it. Awesome. So he resisted this pressure by naming and owning what he was not. Can you do that? And there is grief in that. There is grief when I go, you know, I'm not going to make everybody happy. I'm going to make decisions that disappoint people, even people that are closest to me, in order to be true to the voice that God has put in me. I have to say no. I have to risk being a disappointment. There's grief in that. There's grief when I realize that I just... I just don't have as much energy energy as I thought I did and I can't do as many tasks as I thought I could do and accomplishes as much. Every one of us, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, dies with dreams unfulfilled. We die recognizing that longings and aspirations, we die in faith, we die in hope. And as Eugene Peterson says in the message, he talks about how that We're all in this play together, but we're not the star. Jesus is the star. We're stagehands. We're supporting cast. But we all have a role. So it's not like your life doesn't matter. It doesn't count. It's just that we're not the star. Embracing these limits freed John to find his vocation and deepest joy. American-German theologian Frederick Buchner said it this way, vocation which comes from the word voice, is the place where our deepest gladness meets the world's deepest need. And we often get it wrong by erring to one side or the other. Some of us, we're looking for the place of our deepest gladness. So we're into self-actualization and fulfillment and what are my gifts and I need to be who I am. But we lose, we lose track, we, we, we're out of touch with the world's pain. But some people are so in touch with the world's pain, they're swallowed up in their grief and they've lost touch of the, with the joy, with what God has for you, what He's made you to do, how He's wired you to touch the world's pain. Joy and pain come together in vocation. Your greatest joy touches the world's deepest pain. I feel that every time I go to lower post. When I walk into that little reserve up on the Yukon border and I feel the world's deepest pain, I feel the greatest joy. There's just something about vocation there, hearing the voice and touching the pain. So as we reflect on this today, take some time to reflect on what are your limitations you're currently being confronted with? Is it an illness? Are you... Are you finding yourself limited by the number of children you need to take care of in your life right now? Are you limited by age, aging? Are you limited by just recognizing that you just don't have the gifts to do what you'd love to do? I was thinking as I sang with Lynn today, I've noticed something as I've been playing with the the worship teams in the last year or two. Is that my... My greatest joy is actually harmonizing. I love to harmonize. But you know what the price of harmonizing is? Anybody know? You're not the leader. That's right. You're not the leader in a worship team. But there's incredible joy there because I find that the harmony can strengthen and encourage the leader. So maybe you're not the leader, but maybe you're you're called to harmonize. What is it you're grieving? Name some of the losses that you feel with these limitations and give yourself space to grieve them. And finally, in what ways might the limitations you're feeling at this season in your life actually free you? They're freeing. When you you find out what you're not, like John the Baptist, you're free not to be the Savior. You're You're free not to be the star player here. You're free to be a supporting actor, a stagehand. But that's the place of deepest joy that frees you to find out who you really are. That place of deepest gladness that touches the world's deep need. Will and I sometimes have joked about that that psalm where David says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to be the star player. It's kind of a paraphrase. In the tents of wickedness. I'd rather be a janitor in God's house than to be the CEO of a corporation of wickedness. That's kind of the, the joy, gladness, and the pain that's coming together. So, the good news is you are not the Messiah. But the good news is Jesus is, and He's here to save you. He's here to save me. I don't know about you, but there's something about our human pride that gets offended. When somebody says you need rescue? <laughs> Isn't there? There's only one time that we're not offended when we need rescue. And that's when we're going under for the very last time. Usually, right? When we hit rock bottom. And some of you are hitting rock bottom today. You walked into this place, and you're hitting rock bottom. And your cry for mercy is not some, Oh, Jesus, well, if you're out there, help me. You're desperate today. And that's where God comes. That's where God meets you. And His presence is power. And power is here today to save you, to save me, to save our city, to save our world. World looks like it's going to hell in a handbasket, but I want you to know that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the Savior of the nations. And in the midst of all the mess and all the poop and all the garbage, He's at work. And whatever poop and garbage and mess in your own life that you feel, He's at work today. He's the Savior. And you call in the name of the Lord, He will answer. He's here to help you today. He's here to save you. And we can do that right now. So why don't we? Why don't we call on the name of the Lord? Why don't we just stop right here before we go to our lunch and just ask Him to save us afresh, to be the Messiah, to save us from our messianic complex and our grandiosity that gets in the way of us being the stagehands and the supporting actors that He's called us to be. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come right now And would you, by the power of the resurrection, the resurrected Christ, would you you come to every man, woman, boy and girl in this place today? In the midst of our confusion, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of mess, chaos, desperation, where we feel like we're going under for the very last time. We say, Lord Jesus, save us. Hosanna, that's the song we sang, the first song today. Hosanna literally means, Lord, help us. Lord, save us. We say, Hosanna. Lord, I cry out to you for my sisters and my brothers today. I cry out to you for my neighborhood, my city, my world. Lord, we need you. We need you to save us. We are not the Christ. We are not the Messiah. But Lord, that's freeing for us. That's freeing for us to just take your hand to walk with you and to be supporting actors. Thank you that we can be a part of the play. We can be a part of the story. The story of your saving, salvation, and rescue of this broken planet. So just come. And if you're here right now and you're you're just in that place of desperation, you're just not knowing what way to turn. Jesus is here. He loves you. He's for you. This is the whole reason why He came. This is the whole reason for the story that we've shared today. He came to save. Just call on His name. Scripture just says, call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. Just call on His name. Just say, Jesus, help me. Come into my life. Rescue me from myself. And just let Him come. So let him come. Let him touch you. Let him heal you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus, come. Some of you are just feeling what John Wesley talked about 400 years ago. He said, my heart was strangely warmed. Some of you are feeling like a warmth in your heart right now. That's his love. Perfect love casts out all fear. He loves you. He's for you. He's on your side. He's in your corner. He's in your corner. He's got your back. He's pleading before the Father right now on your behalf, Romans says. Is that good news? Isn't that amazing? This is good news, friends. This is gospel. Hallelujah. So if you're here and and you responded to the Lord, I encourage you to just get some prayer. Come up and talk to me or any of our our elders here today, people around the front or turn to a friend that you trust that could pray for you. Don't be on your own with this. Let, Let the body of Christ be God with skin on to you today. Know that you're loved. Know that God is just so delighted that you came today, that you overcame all of your fears and barriers to cross the threshold, to come into this building, to be in his presence. Just let him hug you. Let him embrace you. And can we do that on his behalf? Give us that chance. Amen. So we're going to transition. We're just going to move right downstairs. And uh, it, we're going we're gonna to start eating in about 20 minutes. So what we'd like you to do is is first go downstairs, find a seat,